Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage, a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And today we want to continue our little series on saluting the veterans of America. As we stated in the show before, we have tremendous gratitude towards all of the veterans who have served in our military, who are serving in our military, and all the veterans who in the future will be serving in our military. And not only do we thank and appreciate our veterans, we appreciate and thank all the families of the veterans who have sacrificed also their lives and their families for the veterans of, of the United States military. And as I stated before, I do not come from a military background. I did not serve in any branch of the American military. And as I look back on my life, it is now truly one of the regrets that I have that I did not ever serve in the American military. I was in the era of the Vietnam conflict, uh, particularly in the latter stages of the Vietnam conflict. And I was one of the three years that President Nixon was instituted getting away from the mandatory draft to a voluntary military. And so I was the second year of the lottery system in 1971. I was a freshman in college at the time. I was 1A for that year in Delaware County. I had a very high lottery number, and so nowhere near my number did Delaware County ever have to come up with a certain amount of men at the time to serve in the military. So after that, my freshman year in college, uh, I was no longer eligible to be drafted as the next year was the last year that we had the lottery system of President Nixon. And then after 1972 into 1973, uh, we went to a fully voluntary military. So uh, I do not come from a military background. I was raised in a home where my father served in the United States military in World War II through the Korean conflict. Uh, my mother worked for a insurance company in Philadelphia during World War II. Uh, she volunteered at the Naval Hospital in Philadelphia as a secretary to doing uh, voluntary typing for the uh, Naval Hospital in Philadelphia, as was, she was a very, very good typist. And so part of her getting involved to helping us win World War II was doing a lot of secretarial work on a voluntary basis. I oftentimes watch as I got older, an older child, and in my teenage years, I became fully aware of some of the mental anguishes that my father had serving, particularly in the Pacific during World War II, which would now we call PTSD. Back then it was called shell shock. And some of the situations that my father went through in my childhood and then into my adulthood, grasping or trying to grasp with what he went through in the military serving our country in World War II. And that's one of the many things that gives me an appreciation for the United States military, for all of our veterans who have served, 
who have not only died in sacrifice to our nation, but who have survived and had come out and who has um, oftentimes a lot of mental issues that they have to work through and physical issues, uh, being wounded, losing limbs, losing careers that they have given to our country. So it's with that background that I come from, and it's one of the situations that has motivated me to do a lot of study as an historian of the military and and being more of a military historian, which interests me a great deal, not only because of growing up in a household, a post-World War II household, also being raised by what a lot of historians call the greatest generation, the World War II generation. But it, it's always interests me to study the wars of America, to try to understand the wars of America, the society of America during that time period, which has given me a great appreciation for our veterans. And as we celebrated or remember Veterans Day several months ago now, uh, in our first show, I talked about Raymond Weeks, who lived in Birmingham, Alabama in 1947. He was the originator of what we then called a National Veterans Day, where he organized parades and other festivities to honor all veterans. And it was in 1947 on November 11th. And it was November 11th because that was the armistice of World War One, which in that time period we called Armistice Day. Later on, by Representative Edwards from Kansas, we changed it to Veterans Day. Oftentimes, many people confuse Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Memorial Day obviously is in May, and that's where we remember all the American veterans who have died sacrificing their lives for our nation. Veterans Day that is celebrated or remembered in November is honor of all the veterans who have served in the United States military. In 1954, President Eisenhower signing a proclamation proclaiming November 11th to be called, be memorialized at Veterans Day. In 1968, a law was passed by Congress that the fourth Monday in October should be remembered as Veterans Day. It was obviously not very popular. So in 1978, Congress returned Veterans Day officially to be November 11th. And that is now what we remember and celebrate and remember all of our veterans, November 11th. In 1982, Raymond Weeks received the Presidential Citizens Award given to him by President Reagan and remembering and honoring him for the originator of the National Veterans Day. Legally, two minutes of silence should be observed on Veterans Day at 2.11 Eastern Standard Time, two minutes to be observed every Veterans Day to remember our veterans and, again, in honor of the ending of World War I. Over the history of the United States military, we have had way over 22 million men and women served in the United States military over our history. 
2.2 million veterans of World War II, when they came home from the war, were able to go to college on the GI Bill. And today we have well over 1 million veterans of the United States military going to college on the GI Bill. We have over a 1,000 VA hospitals and medical facilities helping our veterans, which, in my opinion, we should have far more. In my opinion, we can never do enough to help all of our veterans, both physically and mentally, to help them assimilate and through to help them in our society. As I said, during the midterm elections of 2022, about one-fifth or 21% of all the candidates in the House and for the Senate and the governors claim some sort of degree from their military experience. Today, just about 10% of all living veterans are women. Today, about 18% of our military is made up of the women of America. 7.8 million veterans served in the Gulf War era. Almost 6 million are veterans of the Vietnam era. Almost a million veterans served during the Korean conflict. And in World War II, we had 16 million American veterans who served in World War II. Today, the highest percentage of veterans of any state comes from Alaska, Virginia, and Montana. And today, of the 16 million Americans who have served in the military in World War II, we have about 167 million Americans left who have served in World War II. Unfortunately, we're watching and seeing our World War II veterans die at about 1,000 a day, particularly from old age. Every generation of Americans have served in the United States military. We have had over 200 conflicts in our history where we have had our veterans serving. 31 of our 45 presidents have served in the United States military. We've had over a million Americans die in all wars and conflicts that we have been in. About 410,000 died in World War II. Over 750,000 died in the Civil War. And it's no coincidence that at a lot of sporting events, we honor our veterans. And we see them at sporting events, particularly with the, the playing of the national anthem. And we honor our veterans today, which is really a throwback or in response to how, unfortunately, our veterans retreated. Many of our veterans retreated when, when they came home from the Vietnam conflict. One of the areas that I wanted to emphasize is particularly at, at the beginning of our country during the colonial time period and the revolution, we had many different immigrant groups of people that served in our military. And throughout our history, we've had many different ethnic groups and ethnic groups that served in the United States military. At the outbreak of World War II, Adolf Hitler's field marshals begged him, begged him, do not declare war on the United States. Do not declare war on the United States. Our military was very small at the outbreak of World War II, around 1940. We had about 130,000 
people in our military and our four branches and the Coast Guard at the time. Our military was antiquated. Most of our equipment was World War I, either ships or weaponry. We had very few ships at the time. And actually, when we declared war on Germany, when our men joined, either were drafted or enlisted, we didn't even have enough tanks for them in the field. So we had a lot of trucks with the word tank written on the side of it. We didn't have enough weaponry for each man to have an M1. A lot of men were practicing with broom handles or two by fours at the time. So we were woefully way behind when our weaponry, when Hitler's field marshals begged him, do not declare war in the United States. And Hitler just scoffed at him. And he said, the Americans, they're fat, they're lazy, they're Boy Scouts in bad uniforms. And most importantly, it's a civilian military. How can a civilian military ever stand up to the greatest military in the world? the Wehrmacht, the German military. Well, we've seen throughout our history what our citizen military has been able to do. And as we look back, the first group that I've really wanted to emphasize is Jewish Americans. What was the effect of Jewish Americans throughout our history during our conflicts? And we look back on the importance of what Jewish Americans did during the American Revolution, how they supported the American Revolution. About 2,000 Jewish Americans were living in the colonies at the time. If we take that and say half of them are men, we had 10% of Jewish Americans serving in the American Revolution during the time. The majority of Jewish Americans supported the American Revolution the oldest Jewish American person to serve in a revolution was a man named Daniel Gomez, who volunteered for service, raised his own company, and he was 80 years old. Francis Salvador, who arrived in America in 1773, he was elected a year later to the Assembly of South Carolina. He was the first Jewish person in the colonies elected to a political body. In modern history, he was reelected to the Provincial Congress in South Carolina. In August 1 of 1776, Francis Salvador was the first Jewish casualty in the American Revolution. Out by Fort 96, he was shot and killed and scalped by a Cherokee native who was fighting with the British, 29 years old. Haman Solomon emigrated to America in 1775. He was a financial broker. He joined the Sons of Liberty in New York in 1776. He was arrested as a spy by the British. He was imprisoned by the British on a ship in New York Harbor. He was retained for 18 months, and how he survived is a miracle in itself, 18 months. Uh, he was eventually released by the British in 1778 after 18 months of his imprisonment. He was arrested again, convicted of espionage by the British, and he was sentenced to death. He escaped to Philadelphia with his family. And so from 1781 to 1784, 
he was a tremendous fundraiser for the United States military, raising over $680,000 for the United States military. Uh, Heyman Solomon, which today would be the equivalent to $16 million. And you, we all know that you can't have a military without money at the time. So he raised, in today's money, $16 million in support of the American Revolution. In August of 1871, when the British were cornered in Yorktown, General Washington needed $20,000 to finance getting the Continental Army and the French Army down to Yorktown. Robert Morris, who was the most known financier of the American Revolution, could not raise any more money. And General Washington said, send Haman Solomon. He will be able to raise the money. It is Haman Solomon, folks, that raised the $20,000 to get Washington's Continental Army and the French troop down under Rochambeau, General Rochambeau, to Yorktown. And we know the outcome of that. Unfortunately, Haman Solomon died at age 44. He died in debt. He was never repaid for the money that he raised himself or got on loans. His family didn't even have the money to put a gravestone or a grave marker. His grandson finally, years later, had a marble tablet installed on his grave in Philadelphia. Eventually, a larger gravestone was placed where he was buried, and it's inscribed, and I quote, unquote, an American patriot. In 1893, uh, Congress forged a gold medal struck in his honor. If you go to Chicago in 1941 off Michigan Avenue, there is a monument in Chicago that depicts General Washington, and he is flanked by Haman Solomon on one side and Robert Morris on the other side as the financiers for the American Revolution. Today, there is a Haman Solomon Memorial Park. It's a Jewish cemetery for our listeners in Fraser, Pennsylvania. And that is also where Jim Croce is buried. Another Jewish patriot in the revolutionary time period is Colonel David Franks, who was the aide-de-camp to Benedict Arnold for the longest time. Uh, he used his own funds to raise salaries and to pay for the American volunteers and service. Uh, he went on later on to carry documents over to Europe for Benjamin Franklin in France, in Paris, and John Jay in Madrid. He paid his own expenses. Another man who was given a land grant after the war, but that wouldn't be, pay him financially. He died of yellow fever in age 53 years old. And he was saved from a pauper's grave by a neighbor who paid for his gravestone. He's buried in Christ Church burial ground in Philadelphia. He was also a member of the Society in Cincinnati. He had nothing to do with what Benedict Arnold did to portray the American Revolution and the cause. But David Franks is another person that oftentimes is overlooked and the importance that he had during the American Revolution militarily and then carrying those documents, highly secretive documents, which was, if he was ever caught, would it be immediate death because he would be, be hung as a spy. 
During the Civil War, we had over 8,400 Union soldiers who were Jewish Americans. 10,000 Jewish Americans served the Confederacy. Nine Jewish generals served in the Union armies. Three, maybe four, served in the Confederate armies. Six Jewish soldiers in the Union Army received the Congressional Medal of Honor at the time. In World War II, we had over 550,000 Jewish American men and women who served in the armed services during the Korean conflict. Way over 4,000 Jewish servicemen and women uh, served in the United States military. 30,000 Jewish men and women served in the United States military during the Vietnam era. Colonel Jack Jacobs won the Medal of Honor for heroism in Vietnam. John Leventhal also served in the Air Force, won the Congressional Medal of Honor. Jack Jacobs, Colonel Jack Jacobs, was in the 82nd Airborne. He received two silver stars, three bronze medals, and two purple hearts. He also taught at West Point and the National War College after his service to our country. We have 18 Medal of Honor recipients that are Jewish Americans who have served in the American military. During the Revolution, Dr. Philip Moses Russell was Washington's personal surgeon. Colonel Solomon Bush was an adjutant general of the Pennsylvania militia. He also served in many different battles. Isaac Moses, Aaron Lopez, Michael Gratz, Joseph Simon, they were all doctors that served the Continental Army. Many of them also helped finance the revolution. Dr. Bodo Otto served as Surgeon General in the Continental Army, and he was with General Washington in Trenton and Valley Forge. So the Jewish Americans have a rich background and a very deep deep resource as a group serving in the United States military throughout our history. And let me close with Admiral Hyman Rickover, the Admiral and Director of Naval Reactors. He is the father of the United States Nuclear Navy. He served 63 years in service to the United States as in the Navy. He served longer than any other naval officer in American history. And he is the first person to receive two congressional medals. So that is just a brief history of Jewish Americans that have served our nation as veterans who have served the cause of freedom in our history. And as we do future shows, I'm going to be looking at other groups who have helped us get our freedom from Great Britain, who has helped in preserving our freedom, who has protected our freedom throughout American history. And so as we look at our veterans groups, as we look at our military, we cannot thank them all enough for what they have done. Our military is made up of men and women, all different ethnic backgrounds, immigration backgrounds, who have served in the United States military, which we are grateful for. Let me conclude by this poem that is about veterans. I have done things that haunt me at night so I can sleep in peace. I have been away from my family a long time so they can be safe. I have sacrificed a lot in my life so that I may live free. 
I have done things because I have sworn an oath to my country, and I will live by this oath until the day I die, because I am and always will be a United States veteran. Thank you, veterans. Thank you, all the veterans who have served our country, who have protected and defended our freedom from the American Revolution all the way through today with the war on terror. We cannot thank all of our veterans enough and appreciate them enough and remember them enough for all that they have done. This is 1180 AM WFYL, working for your liberty. <laughs>